Ag State of Mind, episode 103. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows. Today I am going solo and I am talking about something that hits really close to home to me on a number of levels. Um, I'm talking about opioids, the opioid crisis. And as so many of you know, the reason this hits home for me is A, my profession as a pharmacist. This is one of the things facing our profession that is the most dire and we are on the front lines of this opioid crisis and oftentimes the products obtained from pharmacies like mine are the ones that are causing some of this so this is super important to me and I want to do my part to help stop this also as many of you know so many of the people who are affected by the opioid crisis are residents of rural America not just uh rural Missouri, obviously, but rural areas around this country. And this is something that I feel like we need to combat uh, as a joint effort. And this was one of the hardest podcasts that I have had to record uh, because I wanted to do it right. And I wanted to get research out there. I wanted to do things that are factually correct, but also come at it from my own experience, my own point of view, and hopefully this is going to be the start of a greater conversation within rural America, within agriculture, that we can help stop this opioid crisis. There's a lot being done, but we have a lot of work to do. So I think the first thing that I'm going to start off is what are opioids? So there's two terms out there. There's an op- there's opiate and opium, or I'm sorry, opiate and opioid. So I didn't really, even as a pharmacist, understand the difference, but opiate is something that is derived naturally from the opium plant. Opium is a dried latex obtained from the seed capsules of the opium poppy. Uh, it was first used actually as he- with hemlock to help in painless euthanasia. Uh, sponges were also soaked in opium and used for surgery. Uh, but throughout history, it has been used as both for medicine and for its euphoric pleasure effects. Um, so, Naturally occurring things like opium, morphine actually is an opiate, not an opioid, because it naturally comes from the opium plant. Uh, Things like heroin, oxycontin, hydrocodone, all those things are actually opioids because they are synthetically man-made derivatives of opium. So uh, I I don't know how important that is to the overall discussion, but it is something that I actually learned that I didn't know. Uh, I don't know if I should be embarrassed about that or not, but it is definitely something I learned about that. So like I said, from opium came morphine, codeine, and eventually heroin. And 
all were really exceptional at controlling pain. However, they also produced euphoria. And through that euphoria, people use them for unintended effects. They use them for pleasure. They use them for their intoxicating effects. And the problem with that is they're, they grow a tolerance to that. And when with the tolerance comes overuse. They continue to use it more and more until they can't ever obtain that euphoric effect, but they are now they are now physiologically dependent on those medications. And that is where the problem, the, that's where the, the really big problem in this vicious cycle happens is people are, un, they, they are unable to stop. Their body has become physically dependent on these medications. And it is a really hard thing to break. Um, the how people feel they they often talking about people kicking the habit of heroin. And that is from the literal effects of people kicking and convulsing after they have been off heroin for too long of a time, they are, they go in, their body goes into these convulsions and they need the drug. Uh, the body has become so used to it, so dependent on it that they can't function anymore without it. And that is why these drugs are so, so hard to get people off of. Not only is it when they are not properly used that they cause dependence, but dependence can even come with regular prescribed use. Uh, so let's, I'll go through a scenario here and then I'm going to go through a real life experience here. Uh, a couple of them actually. So a person has a knee injury, uh, that a knee injury so bad that it requires surgery. Well, post-surgery, that patient is needing pain relievers. Uh, they get prescribed now, I'm going to go back several years here. What would have been the normal case scenario? They would have been prescribed uh, probably 120 Percocet and 60 Oxycontin for pain relief. Percocet is for short-term, small, acute pain when the Oxycontin is more longer-term pain relief. What would happen is they someone would keep taking this even after how long they used it and they would become physiologically dependent on it and they would do whatever it takes to get that medicine back they have obtained a tolerance and it causes them to want to keep that tolerance and i'll tell you from someone who has experienced pain it is pain i didn't understand people who were addicted to opioids for so long until i had chronic pain in my back um, i had a back injury a few years ago that required uh, lots of intervention from chiropractor and other things it was a it was a really hard time in my life uh, but I it helped me understand the people who are in pain and the people who are in pain are not necessarily always bad people or are going after a bad desired effect. Uh, they are sometimes these regular people who had an injury, were prescribed the medicine that they thought was okay from a doctor, used that medicine to the desired effect, but then their body became so dependent on it. Uh, and I'm going to share another little story here from when Levi broke his leg last year in football. From few of you know, Levi had a, a really bad injury in football. Uh, he was it was in practice that he was tackled. His leg broke in three different places, 
and it was a very, very hard injury. He had to have surgery, metal placed throughout his leg. It was a, it, it, and I'll be honest, it's probably an injury that'll affect him for a long time. It's even, it's been over a year now, and he still has linger of effects from that. Um, but I remember the pain that he was in. He came home, he was in such pain, and, you know, we had to, we had to really monitor his pain, monitor how much of pain medicine that we gave him, and thankfully he didn't come out of it dependent on those, but I mean, I could see very easily how he could have. He's very fortunate that he has a pharmacist for a dad and also a nurse for a mom, uh, that we understand how the medicines work and that they can't be used in such a way, but not many kids are that lucky. So uh, we have some really intimate personal experience with these medications. And I hope that through education and through talking about it and through having conversations about it, that we are able to stop uh, to help people understand how important it is to use them properly. So the problem often comes, let's say, let's say Levi wasn't, didn't have the support system that he did. Let's say he had two parents who were totally clueless to the effects and would just gave him the medication and um, maybe had negligent doctors, negligent pharmacists. Um, I hate to say it, but those things actually do happen. Well, eventually they will not give the medicine, right? But the patient is still on those medications still is dependent on those medications well they can go out and find these medications or similar medications like i said oxycontin percocet hydrocodone all those are very structurally similar to heroin well they can go out on the street and find heroin and obviously that heroin is not well regulated and from there they can go and they have to use it it's often sold in a dry powder injection you know, they boil down the powder to inject and, you know, who knows what's in that. And obviously it's not re not regulated on the streets. So, I mean, it's it can really turn into a really incredibly vicious cycle. But the good news is there are strides coming that are making this situation better. What is being done? Pain medicines are begun, beginning to be prescribed in much smaller quantities. Instead of giving a patient a month's supply of Percocet, they're often given a week or 10 days. They have more checkups, more follow-ups with their surgeons to talk about their pain. Uh, pain is becoming something that is really looked upon and really paid careful attention to. And so it's a really, really important thing. And then probably most useful is the utilization of state prescription drug monitoring programs where someone can go in and see how much a patient has filled of a certain medication throughout the month. And it's real, that's really helpful to pharmacists and pharmacies to help combat this opioid crisis. And one thing also that we are doing here and my pharmacy in particular, and I know there are others across the state and across the country, is we have these controlled 
prescription drug take back boxes in our pharmacy. There, a patient can come in, drop in all the prescription drugs that they have sitting around their house, and they go and they're sent off to be safely destroyed uh, by a third party. And and I think that's something else that I didn't mention earlier is a lot of people obtain prescription medications through the medications that are not used, through the extra medications that aren't used. So that went back to that giving a month supply before now it being cut down to a week, a week supply or so. Uh, the people who were no longer taking those medications would sell them because of the desired need, the black market value of them. So being able to safely take those medications back and destroy them, uh, even when they are possibly overprescribed, that is a very, very important tool in this tool belt to combat this opioid crisis. Why? And so I'm going to finish here is why is all this so important? And I looked, I went on the drugabuse.gov website and I found the states that are most highly affected by opioids and the opioid crisis. And not surprisingly, but also very sad to me, it is states with significant rural populations. West Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri, all these places are very have a very prominent rural population, and uh, the rural population is very, very affected by this. Um, and as far as why is it important for agricultural workers, obviously agriculture is a very can be a very dangerous job, and injuries occur. I mean, I know from my own experience, I've been hurt more times on the farm than I probably have done doing anything else. So. Obviously, from these pain, these injuries come pain from pain. Sometimes can come them being prescribed pain medicines. So, obviously, this is important to us as from every aspect of this, from just America in general, then down to rural Americans, and even even further down into those working in agriculture. It's something that we all need to be paying attention to because more, more likely than not, we know someone who has been affected by the opioid crisis. We know someone who has uh, either lost their battle with opioids or had it very, had their life altered in some big way. So I encourage everybody to go out and learn more, learn what you can do to combat the opioid crisis. And I think one of the places, the place that I started, um, obviously I'm a pharmacist and I, I started in school and um, have been, I see the everyday effects of this. But one of the places, the thing that really piqued my interest and helped me understand how important this is to uh, to rural America is I read a book called Dreamland and I'll link it here in the show notes of this episode and it, it's a it's a story about how prescription drugs became so prominent on the black market and then also how heroin came we used to think of heroin as something that was a big city drug but now uh, how it has been transformed into even the smallest communities so it's a really really fascinating read i've read that book three times and i think now talking about it now makes me want to read it a four so i will link that in the show notes i encourage all of you to go to drugabuse.gov find out what is being done within your own state 
to combat the opioid crisis because it's something that we all need to be aware of. We all need to have an all-hands-deck approach to this, and you know, we need to do what we can to help curtail this. So uh, even if it may seem like it's something really small, we need to do what we can because if we all join in together, we can help stop it. So appreciate your time here today. Like I said, this was one of the more difficult episodes I've had to record, so I appreciate your patience with me on this, and I appreciate uh, all that you do. I appreciate everybody listening and all the wonderful things that you all have helped me and the encouragement that you guys have given me to get this message out there. So until next week, this is Jason Meadows and the Ag State of Mind podcast. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.